0: Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers.
2: Pure athlete, yeah. A transcend race hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk, f-
3: man. I back
2: it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Am
0: right? And Jeff Howe.
2: It's still
3: real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets so. up.
0: If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all.
2: Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I'm Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. Matt Butler, how are you, sir? Doing well, man. How about yourself? What are you working on, man? Oh, some esports,
1: there. yep. I had to, had to find a way to make money, but it's it's uh, actually, these kids, there are no substitutions, and they don't get tired. So, like, the starters play, and it's about that easy.
2: Matt's got a graph paper over here
1: working mm-hmm. on... God got my charts. Got my number from last night, late last night. you got all the all the numbers there. What is this again? Uh, just uh, DraftKings has always had like esports, okay. like video games. Nice. So like it's the same thing. I get it's you. Very a lot of it's structured similar to like basketball, or in theory, like the scoring sort of like volleyball, but
2: assist, kills, things like that. I don't know if the third member of our team, our Lockdown Corner here on the show, knows a lot about eSports, but he is a renaissance man, not just here on Longhorn Blitz, but on 104.9 The Horn, you catch him each and every weekday for 3 to 7 as part of that triple option afternoon show. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod, Impressive uh, as always. How's everything going, Rod? You good? Everything's good. Yeah, man. Good. Everything's real good. Couldn't use some sports, but it's all right. Yeah. Well, uh, I Unless know a few people that are happy, Rod, are uh, some assistant coaches at, at Texas who, uh, as, as of today that we're recording this show, the UT Board of Regents is going to approve uh, these contracts, uh, some extensions and raises uh, for right. Herb Hand, Stan Drayton, and Yancy McKnight. So before we get into the raises, let's do the rundown here. Uh, of contract extensions and the new assistants getting their contracts executed. So all the assistant coaches are, let me see, the following assistant coaches are going to have contracts that run through the 2021 season. Okay. okay? So it's Chris Ash, Herb Hand, Stan Drayton, Mark Hagan, we'll throw Nancy McKnight in there, uh, Oscar Giles and Jay Valai. All those, basically you're with the exception of Chris Ash, your non-coordinator coaches are okay. all on two-year deals that are going to run through 2021.
4: Makes sense. That's the only way you could get them here. Right. They um, weren't going to come on short deals. Like Andre that.
2: Coleman's mm-hmm. deal is uh, listed as a year-to-year contract.
4: Makes sense to me. Uh,
2: Type of guy. The two exceptions, Jay Bolwer got a three-year deal through the 2022 season. Mike Yursich is on a three-year deal through the 2022 season, which Mike Yursich, that, full, that guaranteed contract paying him $1.7 a year, again, yeah. I think we've... We've talked ad nauseum on the show about how we agree that, yeah. that that's probably worth it. Uh, your salary ranges: uh, Jay Villette at three hundred thousand a year, Andre Coleman at three hundred fifty thousand a year. Uh, again, all the way up to Mike Yursich at one point seven million. Chris Ash making eight hundred thousand. And you might say, well, Todd Orlando was making more as the, as the defensive coordinator. And did the salaries just flip-flop? No, because I think Tim Beck's base salary was more than what Chris Ash was making. But keep in mind, too, wow. Rutgers is yeah. still paying Chris Ashe That's true. off of that contract good there. Point. So good it's point. not like Chris Ashe is uh, underpaid or underfunded. He's got that revenue stream still coming in from Rutgers. And,
4: and if he does well, just like Orlando, I'm sure he'll get a bump somewhere. In the, yeah. if, if it's a really good defense, which it will be in the first year. We know that. Yeah, are in year three
1: we're talking yeah. about
4: Orlando's so,
2: third year yeah now real quick on that though people might say well you gave the last two defensive coordinators that had a really good year we did it with manny Diaz you did it with Todd Orlando I don't think Vance Vance got I don't think it. Vance got the the bump
4: but both those
2: know. guys have gotten like raises and mm-hmm. you know basically you elevated those guys after one good year uh would you do that again with Chris Ash I think you almost have to don't you because isn't that's just the nature of the beast with yeah. coordinators well, in, in college football right yeah, now.
4: yeah especially well and in the big 12 I mean if you can Oh yeah, if you can coach a competent defense in the Big Twelve. I think it means even more. Yeah. Agree. So first should be even higher in yeah. theory if he's yeah. good. he's proving me money. Hey, no doubt. Totally agree.
2: Yeah, so just be on the lookout for that, and we'll we'll get to some buy or sell over under stuff in in this show, and we'll carry it over to next week and talking about the, the how much this defense is going to get elevated is one of those and I think we might all be on the same page with that but Rod I want to talk about the salary increases uh the raises for uh, some of these assistant coaches we'll start with Stan Drayton. Stan Drayton going from 515000 a year to 650000 a year uh that's a $135,000 increase. I would think you do that for two reasons. One I think the running back position was improved last year with Roshan Johnson moving over and you you look at Keanu, we talked about this before you look at Keontae Ingram's numbers he averaged almost a full yard per carry more as a sophomore than he did as a freshman and I'm of the opinion the running game was not your problem last year I think it was either going away from the run too early or not sticking with the run enough in some games. Uh, and then at times where you maybe you couldn't run, but the one game where you really couldn't run the ball was the Iowa State game, which was the one game seemingly where you wanted to go square peg round hole. So, uh, you know, it, the, the situations that Stan Drayton really didn't have a lot of control over mm. were perplexing, but Rod, you got the good year from Roshan Johnson. Yeah. And more importantly, your job as the running backs coach, you've got to be an ace recruiter And Stan, Stan Drayton got Bijan Robinson.
4: Yeah, you got a yeah. five-star. That's so I, the main thing. Yeah I, think, yeah, I think that, yeah. I mean, you end it, I think, mean, with the biggest reason. You get a five-star running back in there, uh, what's something called the best running back in the country. I think that'll get you a bump right there. And I agree with you. The running back position with Rojo, that was an amazing amazing coaching feat. And I think he's a natural runner anyway, but still, I mean, he hit the ground running literally and figuratively. Uh, no pun intended there. And I think Keontae Ingram was great, but he was inconsistent. He was a roller coaster, which is what you get from a young player that really wasn't much of a baseline game to game, you didn't know what you were going to get from Keontae Ingram. He could be the, uh, looking like the best player on the field, or he could go out there and you know end up looking like, why is this guy starting over Rojo, is what the question most people would be asking. So, I just don't know about the consistency, but yeah, I'm a Keontae Ingram fan. He's just got to get a, bigger, a, a better baseline, uh, where his production level doesn't always dip all the time you know what I mean I think it dipped probably every other game or so especially early on
1: and that's where like marrying the two because you talk about a running backs coach and a lot of the times like at every school it is different but recruiting does mean a lot mm-hmm. say to go and so it depends on how you're weighing everything along those lines and then the allocation of you know not necessarily blame but for deficiencies where do those go and every case by case basis is so tough but when you look at who he has in the room, like you said, he's been able to not only have one guy in Ingram that's maybe been able to gradually improve, but he lands the future, which is key if you're going to say, well, maybe he isn't keeping that room as optimal, but he's getting the big-time players to show up on campus, and those are the type of things that you need at Texas, and right now, you look at the room, you got a freshman that's a big-time man on campus, another guy with some gradual growth, and then, like you said, everything he did with Roshan that could either be just because Roshan's a high football IQ guy, or it could be marrying the two that the running back coach helps articulate these things to yeah.
4: and he's got to coach up uh, Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith in that H role when mm-hmm. they decide that you know they're going to be running backs in whatever formation or personnel package you're going to yep. use too. So he's he's integral right now. I mean, at St. and you had he had competition. You know, I mean, the the Rams uh, mm-hmm. reportedly were interested in bringing in St. Andrews. And yeah. and Cowboys, and were Cowboys. Were so you know, when there's competition like that, that's why Jay Burrow got the salary and the length of the contract he got. You're trying to take him from somewhere. There's competition. it's concept- the same thing. Competition, so that
1: always helps you in terms of negotiating a contract. And then you know, talking about Herb Hand too, and the coaches, and how much those two sort of align together, running backs coach conceptually with the offensive line. I, no I don't doubt. know the relationship totally between agree. the two, but I assume it's very good. Yeah. So that's why those type of
2: things they sort of go together good point so Herb Hand's raise Rod is roughly up roughly $60,000 a year Herb Hand's going to make $700,000 a year to coach the offensive line again that contract's going to go through 2021 and that's the one that if you ask the fans that's the one that they wonder is that deserved you know should you be giving Herb Hand that much money Mm. I don't know that if it's deserved or not but I will say this this is a huge year for Herb hand, not just in terms of what your offensive line can do, yeah. but man, in terms of recruiting. Look at the old line talent in the state of Texas and it starts with a legacy player in Brocker. Tommy Brockermeyer, man. who's one of the top offensive line prospects in the country. <laughs> if you don't if you're Herb hand, you've got this much talent in the state of Texas and nationally when you look at a kid like Jonah Miller out of the state of Arizona who's interested in you, if you don't come out of this with one of the Where top is. two or three offensive line classes in the country. At some point, you're going to have to answer for that. Now, yeah. is that all on Herb Hand? The coordinators got to play a part in that. You got area guys, whatever. But Rodgers right, a lot on Herb Hand. And then when you look at the offensive line, you've got a left tackle, a guy at a premium position who say what you want about him. Mel Kuyper has Sam Cosme ranked as the number 12 overall draft eligible prospect in college football. Yeah. And the, the number two offensive tackle behind Penn A. Sewell out of Oregon, who people throw that label Generational tackle prospect on Pene Sewell, and you're saying Sam cosmi has got a chance to be number two in a draft class with him. You've got that kind of talent at a premium position, man. Your offensive line better produce. Yeah,
4: no, I, I, I totally agree with that. And you know, I like Herb Hand's personality. He is, you know, he's a social media <laughs> samurai, man. He's always really under- stakes. Yeah, he's a, so I, I think he will just in recruiting. I think he'll be able to pull one of those. Uh, those big prospects. I'm not sure which one, but I, I think he will. I, I really do, because I think he has a great personality of an offensive line, but now, that's different than what is being taught on the field, because last year, the offensive line regressed, right? Sam Ellinger was one of the most sack quarterbacks in the Big 12, in terms of sacks per game, uh, so they allowed <clears throat> a lot of pressure. Uh, the running game, at times, was inconsistent. Uh, there were games where you couldn't impose your will on teams, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Herb Hans I think, I think Matt's right. I think there's a connection when you look at the pro spread philosophy, which we know Tom Herman, he was committed to keeping the pro spread. He likes the pro spread. He thinks that in terms of a vision of what could be a championship caliber offense, he likes when he brings his stuff. That's why he brought in Yursters to basically interpret or reinterpret that offense. Um, but I think it's key his offensive line and the running game to kind of be working in continuity, to be working uh, symbiotically. And I think that's why Herb Hand means so much to him. He would hate to have to come in, bring in a new offensive line coach, and then think about how fragmented the philosophy would be if he did that. So I, I think there's a method to the madness, and Herb Hensley a big part of that.
2: You mentioned the sack numbers, and I love Football Outsiders because Football Outsiders does sack rate, which is percentage mm-hmm. of dropbacks that result in a sack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Texas was one of the worst offensive lines in the country. And then when you look at sack rate, standard down sack rate, passing down sack rate, however you want to slice it, Texas was one of the worst offensive lines in the country. Yep. And, Matt, I know you've got the numbers in front of you, too, mm-hmm. as I do. When you look at some of the the run game metrics, Rod, whether you're talking about line yards per carry, standard down line yards per carry, opportunity rate, yeah. Texas the Texas offensive line was really One good. The the but where, They're elite. but where do they struggle? And you could say this might be the biggest indictment when we talk about that <laughs> consistency factor of Herb Hand, power success rate, percentage of your runs on third and fourth down with two or fewer yards to go that achieved a first down or a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Texas was 91st in the country yes, as an offensive line in power season. Yes, Rod, right. as an offensive line, that's your money downs. Well, third, third and short, fourth and short, that's that's where well. you've got to displace a defender. You've got to move a man against his will and allow your ball carrier to get a first down or Andy a touchdown.
4: Bam Bam Sam. Yeah. In that situation, I think that's more on a scheme, though. And that's remember, we remember Ed Erskine talking about how he knew when they were running the quarterback power. True. Um, no, you, you know, know spot there on. were reports that TCU and Gary Patterson, like they, they basically knew when Texas was going to run a lot of their places while the DBs were running routes for the receivers. So I think there was how predictable the offense became, and that predictability, that rigidity, right? To 11 personnel, it's got to be this, got to be that. All that rigidity, I think ultimately it led to. The regression on the offensive line, especially in situations where 2018 you were dominant. You argued one of the best teams in the country in those fourth and short and third and short situations. That's why we, that's why I started calling them Bam Bam Sam. And you regressed on that, and that was. Yeah, that was troubling and that was something troubling. that
1: adds to what you're saying on the predictability and the numbers even sort of show it right here and i haven't seen one team actually it looks like toledo does have a worse ratio than texas does but if we're talking yeah. about power success rate like you said 91st but when you look at stuff rate which in theory should yeah. correlate well yeah. with it but it doesn't right texas is 10th in the nation in stuff rate, meaning <laughs> They are not getting stuff very often ever at the line of scrimmage yet, or behind the line of scrimmage. Yes. Yeah. Somehow on third and short and fourth and short, they are. And that's strictly what you're saying, Rod. That's being predictable. That's in those situations. You're saying most of the time, and it's going to cause the coaches to become more predictable. They're like, well, look at our stuff rate. We're never getting pushed back. (laughs) We need to just go, and we need to get it. But if you're telegraphing what you're doing, then it's going to be something that you can be 10th in the nation in stuff rate. But in power success rate, you're 91st, so situationally, you aren't there. It's a big, drastic thing. Toledo's worse. It looks like Lula's in the same area. But to be 81 spots worse, that's remarkable, and that sort of articulates why. And then when you look, one thing I agree with you fully about the SACRite, Texas should be much better than they are. But when you have a dual threat quarterback, a running quarterback, your sack rate's naturally going to be higher than if you don't strictly because right. he's able to move around in the pocket. And if you get tackled one yard behind, it can go down as a sack with the That's quarterback. True. So a uh, mobile be. quarterback sack rate has to be compared to other mobile quarterback sack rate compared to just an in the pocket statuesque quarterback. If Brady's getting sacked that much, then you got a horrid offensive line. If Sam Ellinger is sometimes there can be noise there, and it's just you behind the line of scrimmage. Making plays with your feet, getting tackled.
4: Well, and that's also scheme, too, because we talked about how the very few court design quarterback runs they had in the offense. We were shocked, actually, at how yeah. few they and actually they had in between the 20s. And also, like, yeah, the scheme of them, they, they were very simplistic. Like, they very very little creativity with the quarterback uh, run game for Texas. So it kind of gets to your point, but uh, I think we all kind of making the same point. I mean, mm-hmm. it gets back to the scheme and the coaching, ultimately. Yep. And that's why you have to make a damn change.
2: Yeah. It's and, crazy. And, and some of these numbers you got to really look into. Them, like Texas in 2018 in terms of sack rate, they were pretty much middle of the road, middle of the pack mm-hmm. in all the metrics. Um, your point how scheme can benefit you. This is why sacks can be such a misleading stat. It mm-hmm. is. Pressure yeah. is uh,
1: pressure's
4: pressure's the best is Much indicator. more accurate, I agree.
2: Not top three in the country the last two years in, in sack rate allowed. Washington State. They were number 1 in t- 2018, yeah. number 3 last year. Well, you yeah, the getting rid of the ball getting so getting quick. Rid of damn football man. and they're <laughs> holding on to it till the
1: last second because there's no other option. You got to throw the ball or not. Like yeah. there's no other thing to read it. Totally agree. But
2: I I think the point is that we're getting at it with Herb Hand, and, and is the is a, is a and it's a I mean look, $60,000 raise for a coach an assistant coach of Texas, that's like me getting a $20 raise. Like it's it's dropping the bucket, but I think when you look at your rewarded offensive line coach, I think this year, Rod, is going to be the year where kind of the yep. proof is in the pudding for Herb Hand. When you look at year one, uh, mm. any improvement would have been improvement from what the 2017 line was, which we all agree is one of the worst offensive lines we've seen in the history of this program. Yep. Uh, and injuries had a lot to do with that, but, man, the, the talent just wasn't there. And then you look at 2018, you know, you get a, a – a pretty much a full year out of Zach Shackleford. yeah, he missed four games, but you had him down that back stretch when you started to become really good, and you found a diamond in the rough in Sam Cosme, and mm-hmm. all these other factors, you get Calvin Anderson in as a grad transfer, and last year, it, the offensive line, it was kind of went hand-to-hand with the offense, like one week, it would be like, wow, they can run the move ball, move can- the ball on anybody in the country. And the very next week, it's like, man, I don't know if they can move it against Prairie View. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I hate going to Prairie View. I know. Well, you need yeah, a battery. Yeah, you need somebody. right.
1: We There's going to be a piñata. You got to pick somebody. Don't. I do that too. I always bring up Prairie View. You say directional
2: our. state. You. I apologize to the entire SWAT conference. So. You know. And just throw that right out near. there, but no, it. But it's one of those deals, right? Like the proof again. Mm-hmm. The proof is in the pudding for her. Pan. This is the year where it, it's got to come together. You better mm-hmm. clearly by seasons. And I'll tell you what. If, if Texas, if we're at the end of the season and Texas isn't one of the top one, two, three offensive lines in the Big 12, then you're not going to see the, the 9 or 10 or 11 wins that, that we no. think this team is capable of. Totally agree with you on that.
4: If, uh, if that offensive line underachieves, then ultimately the whole damn thing will collapse. It'll hurt Sam's draft stock. Sam won't get drafted as high. They don't. The wide receivers are very improving commodities at this point. And I've said my prediction is the offensive identity of this team is going to revolve around the run game and that that really talented backfield, which includes Sam Ellinger as a as a dual threat quarterback too. So it's gonna and Sam's going honestly, Sam's gonna have to make a lot of plays, throwing guys open. You know what I mean? Being as accurate as he's ever been, because I don't think these young wide receivers are going to be creating a ton of separation. Hopefully the scheme will do that. But last year, another thing, the the route tree, as you pointed out, had very, uh, Jeff, had very few limbs, right? mm-hmm. very few branches on yeah. that route tree. And that also helps. So I think scheme is going to end up helping a lot of the issues that we saw last year with the offensive line. Oh, I hope they can pick up a twist and a stunt. Gosh, man. You know what, though?
2: Honestly, pick like. up a twist and a stunt. Ken- Kenneth Murray and Neville Gallimore had their draft stock elevated because of that Texas game. Yes. No doubt. Oh, so that's, that's Neville it, it, Gallimore
1: had his best no game doubt. of his career in that one.
2: When you have a game where the opposing defense has multiple guys, like, oh, yeah, I want that on my draft highlight. It's crazy, man. Well, and
1: there are a yeah. few things to be really critical of Herb Hand, but, like, say, something like that, the inability to adjust in a game that big, which was seemed as something that was obvious, it just seems as if, maybe the message wasn't getting to the players or just conceptually the players weren't getting it. But as a collective whole, that was pretty big. It seemed like a simple fix that wasn't fixed.
2: I think the yeah. bottom line for me on Herb Hand is this, guys. And I like Herb Hand as an offensive line coach. I've sat, I do too. I've sat in a clinic and listened to him lecture. And I like his approach to a line play. But I think it's clear, Rock, right? the honeymoon period is over, right? Like yeah. the first year, like, okay, like you have a competent offensive line. And then last year you left some meat on the bone, kind of like, Sam did, and the entire offense did. You feel like you got to the end, and that turkey leg wasn't picked clean, man. There's still some meat on that bone. And now it's like, all right, it's a put-up-or-shut-up kind of year for for everybody, offensive line included.
4: Well, when you got a guy that's, like I said, a potential first-round pick, he's going to – unless something really bad happens, and he's not. And that would be going to your underachieving thing. If Sam Gosme, at this point, is not a first-round pick, like everybody's predicting, then that means – that goes back to the talent development bigger issue. So, yeah, the offensive line – it's key, man. This year, I mean, that's supposed to be a strength. If it's not a strength, there's a problem.
2: Because to, let's get the only problem
4: if it's not a strength this year, man.
1: Oh yeah, because you haven't had a guy like Cosme. Like I can't even. Since you were on campus, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm no. I'm serious. <laughs> like a tackle. I'm talking I like
4: didn't think about a it first round right tackle. Yeah. You got like a top ten kind yeah. of tackle. You yeah. had two
2: of them, Leonard and Mike. Okay, I, I wanted to get some stuff on this K- Caden Stearns co- t- yeah, Zoom conference, but yeah. no, no, no. I want, I want to shelve that now because I want to go down this Cosby road since we're there. Mm-hmm. When you look at him as a tackle prospect, Rod, and the comparison is going to be, well, <laughs> you know, we sat here and everybody talked about Connor Williams being a first-round pick. Well, yeah, everybody was talking about Connor Williams as a first-round pick, talk, yeah. but there were two really big knocks on Connor Williams as the draft process went along. One, his arm length, or lack thereof, was yeah. not desirable. Yeah. So, seventy, a seventy, I think a seventy-seven and three quarters inch wingspan. Yeah, which for NFL tackle standards it's is huge. It's, That's it's, it's, oh, it's bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, and then the fact that he didn't have consistent tape in the games he was able to play his last year at Texas. Yeah, which meant really his best year was in the veer and shoot offense, which as we've seen with some Baylor offensive linemen under our brows, that offense doesn't have a great track record of producing Mm -hmm. quality NFL offensive linemen. It's gotten guys drafted high. Yeah. Like Danny Watkins was drafted high. Jason Smith I think was Mm -hmm. second or third pick in the draft when he came out. But those guys haven't been successful at the pro level. So those are two really big knocks on Connor Williams. Mm. We don't figure scheme is going to be a problem because Tom Herman's offense, there's a lot of that that translates well to the NFL level in that power spread, pro spread, whatever label you want to put on it. And from a physical standpoint, Rod, like I said, Connor Williams' wingspan when he came out was, I think, 77 and three-quarters inches. Last spring, Sam Cosme's wingspan was measured at 80 and five-eighths. Not elite, but when you look at some of the first-round tackles that came out in this year's draft, Sam Cosme has a longer wingspan than Tristan Wurfs. Mm. Now, Tristan Wurfs, and we all agree, you see the video of him jumping out of the pool, really athletic <laughs> tackle, <laughs> but I think we see some of that athleticism in Sam Cosme. So, the concerns about Connor Williams as a draft prospect aren't going to be the same concerns with Sam Cosme. Totally agree. As a prospect. Yeah. So, to your point... If we're getting to him going to him making a decision whenever, and look, maybe it's January. I don't know when the season's going to start. I don't know when the draft's going to be, the early entry deadline, all that stuff's going to have to change if the calendar gets pushed around. But if we get to that point, Rod, and Sam Cosme has to make a decision based on, well, we don't think you're a first-round pick now. We think you're more of a, a day two type pick. Then something went horribly wrong, some and if wrong. It, and if he you got a full season out of him, then yeah, then the problem might not be related to the player at that point. Yeah, yeah. And big you, big. when you
1: talk about wingspan, it was the third percentile, so he's in the bottom three percentile of offensive tackle Ooh, prospects. Connor, Connor Williams. Williams was uh, so like yeah. that's a big, di- di- almost a deal breaker for some teams. So, yeah, you know, it's like a virus running yeah. a four seven. Exactly. L.J. So Humphrey, sorry, you're off our board. Yeah, yeah. you said so yeah. that. Drops you out of the first round if you, say, are just one out of 33
2: at the bottom. Got That's on. why a lot of people look at Woods Williams, Rod's a guard. He's, he's got, I remember He's that. got a kick Yeah, inside. he's, like, he's a th- guard. So, real quick, I want to get to, to a couple things in this Caden Sterns call, and I want to get y'all's take on this. So, one thing he the said wolf. that Caden Stearns talked hm. about in this call was – that the pandemic and the ramifications of it, some of it might be a blessing in disguise. He said, number one, the communication between the teammates has been better than it otherwise would because you want to check in on guys, make sure guys are, are, are doing okay, mm-hmm. their families are fine. The second thing, Rod, he talked about this really gives guys a chance to get their bodies right. And when you think about some of these guys, yeah. if some of these guys played peewee football mm-hmm. and then went into middle school and then yeah. high school, and especially if your high school had you know spring training where you're in pads, this is the first chance some guys have ever had since they started playing ball Just, to let their bodies right. rest. I agree with that. Now That's a good you, point. You, the, the component you're missing in this... <clears throat> is the strength conditioning component as we know it. And as Sam mm-hmm. Ellinger said, Caden Stern said the same thing. Look, Yancey's giving them workouts. Here's a workout. If you have nothing at home except maybe resistance bands, and maybe you've got some milk jugs laying around, you can mm-hmm. fill them with water or rocks or whatever. Or <laughs> yeah. Maybe you've got a, and Caden said he's fortunate enough, he's got a little weight set up in his garage. So, hey, you've got a a barbell. Here's some stuff you can do. So mm-hmm. guys have yeah. workout plans.
1: And then if MacGyver in it.
4: But they're from, he's from a family, too, that's uh, you know, a workout thing, right? Right? It's, it's His brother played brother Oklahoma play. State. Yeah, yeah, so they, so. they probably yeah. already accumulated, like, weights and all kind of stuff. You know that's your mean?
1: San Antonio Metroplex Ellinger. Like how Ellinger can have <laughs> yeah. all the Austin guys yeah. come work
2: out with him and then go work out with Stearns there. So... I, I, Ron, I'll pose this to you since you've been in in this bubble, this football bubble. I look at it and say, yeah, it can be a negative. Like whenever you do get back to contact, whether guys have a you have a mini camp in July mm-hmm. or you get back in August or whatever. You do worry about the physical impact of that of guys being so long without contact and then jumping back into it. Yeah. Without having the strength conditioning component, you are setting yourself up probably for some guys to have injuries. But I'm of the opinion, I think that negative is outweighed by the benefit of what is this team going to look like when guys actually are able to now let injuries really heal and let their bodies heal. And you are, whenever you get guys back, you are going to get a team back that is, for Tom Herman, maybe a guy like Caden Stearns has battled knee injuries this whole time at Texas. Yeah. Maybe you are actually... Gonna get a 100% Caden Stearns. Like
1: that's we crazy. did it with Jonathan Gray or something where it seemed like a guy yeah. came in and He's had 5,000 carries on him already. You yeah. know, and it's like that's especially if you're one of these kids growing up in Texas. And I heard you on the drive in talking about it like we're talking peewee football, middle yeah. school football, and yeah. summer camps. And then this is there. I remember my class in 02 is one of the first that did seven on sevens even toward like just the constant, constant body terror that you man. have. Exactly. And yeah. then these kids in the specialization these days, they play more football than you ever have.
4: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, a healthy Caden Stearns. Hey, we had not seen it since his true freshman year. That, and was, he, that was his great And that was year. when he was the one of the best safeties in the country. So, yeah, he's healthy. I mean, you're talking about a guy that can play in an All-American type status. So, I'm with you. I mean, that's something that's... un like this is an unprecedented event, and we've never mm-hmm. really seen anything like it. That may be one of the few benefits that comes out of the whole thing is that yeah, got a lot of guys who have been in that grind for a decade plus. Yeah. Uh, and All I, the Texas I, you kids, you know what I mean? Well, that's why I didn't. I didn't play football until I was in seventh grade, like tackle mm-hmm. football, like the yeah. pads on. So I was in seventh grade, and I think honestly, it, it I probably would have burnt out or. You know, hurt myself a little bit sooner, ended mm-hmm. my career because I truly believe that you only got a certain amount of reps in your body. The game's just too hard on you. It's amazing when guys can play like Frank Gore, still playing it's for absurd. the Jets. Like that's it, that that is a, that's unbelievable, man. That feat, I'm telling you, superhuman. It really is, man. It is extraordinary to be able to do that because the game, it and, and like you said, the year round training mm-hmm. and all that, it just grinds on you so much. And to do it for a decade long, a decade plus, whether it be since you started when you were. Fifteen, or you started in Pee Wee League, mm-hmm. your body is just not made to put up with that kind mm-hmm. of grind, and it just it just deteriorates so much. And of, kids play even younger yeah. these days. I mean, Gronk what? talked about how Gronk was in tears. Yeah, uh, two years ago when he retired, talking about how. How hard the game has been on his body. He was like, I don't even find joy in my life anymore yeah. because literally it leads to a depression. When your body's not in good shape, mm-hmm. everybody knows it leads to a, a physiologically a mental depression. Yep. And it, then it becomes a cycle. And he talked about that year off. Now he wants to play again. Mm-hmm. Now it helps that he's not playing with Belichick, because Belichick notoriously, like Saban, will grind on yeah. you. Right. It's like dog years, they say, when you when you when you're under that kind of regime. Now it produces results, but it also grinds up guys like in a meat grinder. So I think that Gronk, he's kind of another one. of these poster boys like the COVID is going to help all those guys because he needed the break. And he's talked about how yeah. fresh his body feels now. Yeah. And, and it, you look
1: at, uh, I mean, the laundry list from your Patrick Willis's to your Keekleys. I mean, yeah. we saw first your Barry Sanders, but to your Calvin Johnson, like you've had all these late guys. What if they would have had just in that incidental year off, where if Ricky didn't need that at 25, 26, after all of his carries, if you just got that before between college and the pros. So it's just a, a silver lining that could possibly come from the situation. And then it's worth mentioning that, Jeff, you would know more, but I assume that kids are playing even more at the varsity oh, level yes. younger, even then in That's your true. day and well, my you think, day. So, yeah, freshmen and sophomores are playing three or four. It's like how Jonathan Gray was the lead back in yeah. the since his freshman the, year. Uh,
2: like the other guy who we, we haven't talked about on in the injury, like Horns 24-7, our roundtable topic this week was, which guys are under hype for this off season. And the guy I picked on defense was BJ Foster because wow. you forget at times how much that shoulder injury set him back last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my point was think of, go back to 2018 and think about what a healthy BJ Foster looked like. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the, maybe the biggest, as good as Caden Stearns was, I don't think Todd Orlando had an impact defender. Like B.J. Foster, he was a guy that could play over the top in the slot. He was your best blitzer. Like Mm -hmm. so many different things he could do for you. Bludgeoner, right? So, (laughs) works well for him being off. There's a guy like that, and coming off the shoulder surgery, he's he's not he's not going to have to worry about rushing back. Like he'll be he'll be good to go. The other guy who this is going to help, this is going to help Sam Ellinger because Matt, to your point, how much football guys are playing? Think about Sam at that position, Rod. Not only are you playing that position, and, you know, you go through spring practice in high school, but you're leading the 7-on-7s. Seven seven, you're throwing mm-hmm. all the time. This is the first time maybe, I don't know, since he was a kid yeah. that Sam Ellinger's had Easy. a chance to let his yeah. – just let the body rest a little bit. I mean, I'm he was
1: fighting through injuries. Like, he was going like a pro player at was like, like, he had multiple season-ending injuries, but fighting back for injury for one more season. Like, that's how I professionals him, play, and he's doing that at, like, 14 I watched 15. him beat
2: Katie on one leg. <laughs> In a regular season game, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's a lot. No,
1: I played, played
2: basically damn near that whole game with a torn meniscus. Like, yeah,
1: yeah. And if you go and start talking about a team full, them, now everybody across college football is going to have the same situation. Right. But you're but. talking about players that are key, top-end players that are quite physical, so could really help, especially in a conference that's known as like a finesse conference. I agree if you that. come back with physicality, it was 2019, the first year Sam hadn't had an injury in it's five that we know five of. Years?
4: But he did
2: have the rib deal. I know, but the one that that, missed missed the
4: game, because missed game time, because that's just because he's a tough SOB. Since his junior
2: year of high school, yeah. Pretty much, yeah,
4: like going on four years, yeah. That's a a good
2: point. But, you know, to your point, Matt, yeah, everybody gets that advantage, but I think this goes back into Tom Herman's mindset. If my guys, if I've got the very best of my guys, I think all of my guys at 100% are going to beat just about everybody else's at 100%. Yes,
1: I love that. And if you're phys- is, if and if your fantastic. bodies feel better and you're in a conference that's feud finesse and then you can be physical, that's huge. Well this also goes
4: though to, to, to Yancy McKnight now because no, I am not I'm not knocking Yancy McKnight or anything. But injuries. one of the reasons for all these injuries, uh, one of the beliefs was that strength, something was going on with the strength and conditioning program, and I don't know if they investigated that or not, or at least that was one of my theories. I'm going to say a lot. Of
2: people That's usually where it. the finger gets pointed first um, when you have injuries, the strength program.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, I mean you should investigate it. And yeah. I wonder, part of the deep dive for Tom Herman, did he investigate that? That is something you need to look at because if guys come back and they are healthy and yet come back into a strength and conditioning program that – is somehow exacerbating some of those injuries. That's not necessarily a good thing. Nothing, I'm not saying anything is happening, right. but it is worth looking into. Also, part of it was just Todd Orlando's terrible technique for tackling, that he would teach these mm-hmm. guys to launch themselves like missiles into ball carriers, which, I, honestly, I'd never heard of before. I always thought you would bring your feet in you, out of control, under control. Um, but no, they were literally taught that Oklahoma, that travesty you saw with CeeDee Lamb mm-hmm. juking a lot of guys because they were diving and putting their head down. That's actually what they were taught. They were taught, to launch themselves into players, there's quotes from Tarlando talking about that, and it's like that's I don't know who taught you how to tackle, but that's not how you're supposed to tackle. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's that no. ain't it. Not no, whatever. That ain't. That's why we led the Big Twelve in missed tackles, but a lot of those missed tackles ended up with guys getting hurt because they would launch themselves into defenders, and shoulders come out because they were out of position and they're or reaching with arms and all that kind of stuff.
2: And I've seen, you know, I was at a clinic. Uh, where Chris Ash was giving a lecture, and half the lecture, the vast majority of it, was kind of his thoughts on tackling and how he kind of had to swallow his pride and say, look, I've been teaching tackling wrong this whole time, and you had to, you had to go back and reevaluate He's a firm believer in you know Pete Carroll teaching that rugby style yes, tackling. I, yeah. And a lot of the drills, Rod, he went through a lot of drill tape at Ohio State. Man, a lot of those drills are either low impact in terms of contact or, or, or no contact. You're just teaching like yep. – you just kind of getting that muscle memory of it, this yep. is where your hat goes. This is where your feet should be. This is how you should be. your arms. Your base arms. should be here. Yep, yeah. That's
1: exactly right. And I'll pull it up and try to tweet it out. But Pete point. Carroll did a whole – I mean, ESPN did a feature on Pete Carroll changing the way tackling. It was involved with the concussion stuff. It was last mm-hmm. offseason. Yeah. But if fans want to know what we're talking about, you can just Google yeah. a Pete Carroll and they'll have like a 30-minute thing on it.
4: No, it's supposed to be a safer brand of tackling and more effective is what the Pete Carroll and keep like. you do ever really contacting in practice exactly and and i and as chris ash i love the story that he had to convince urban meyer uh, of the to, uh-huh. to, to revamp their tackling techniques like no you got i've done the research on it it's better it's more effective and it's safer our guys will be a lot healthier practicing this technique in practice and it it, they've, At least Pete Carroll will claim that he's done the studies that it, it leads to less injuries in the game as well because it's a, more, it's a proper tackling right. technique, so less upper body injuries as a result of tackling.
2: All right, it's time for our first break on this week's show. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Welcome back to Longhorn
0: Blitz with Horns 24 Here again is Jeff Howe.
2: All right, so uh, I want to get to some buy or sell stuff in the time we've got left. We're not definitely not going to get all these this week. We'll continue this in the next week's show. So, hey, if you're a subscriber, you already know what the topic of next week's show is going to be. Um, this this, might, this kind of encompasses a lot of the offensive stuff we've talked about. So I want to go with this. So we'll do one offense, one defense. We'll save the rest for next week. Okay? okay, Buy or sell. Sam Ellinger is in New York at the end of the season for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. <gasps> Travis Crohn, the best damn videographer in the podcast mm. game, has giving us a thumbs up that he thinks Sam Ellinger oh, is going to be in New York for the man. hygiene ceremony.
4: I think he will. It's so hard. Listen, he should be because right now he's probably the third best quarterback in the country, yeah. at least in that conversation. Like, top five, at least. Some people really, you know, he'll throw, uh, in addition to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, he'll throw Sam Howell in there and some other guys in there. But Sam's right in that conversation. My concern is that he doesn't have proven commodities at wide receiver, It is a a new system, but the system will focus on Sam. I think that actually yours is coming in with a new system, Help Sam. Oh, man. I'm going to say sell. I'm going to say no. Mm. I think There'll be like a Lawrence,
1: no. Fields... Yeah, because then out.
4: whoever the hell Lincoln Riley coaches... Exactly. <laughs> right whoever that say. guy is, he's what got what a spot. I don't know if it's those spots. Some running back's going to make it. You know what I mean? I just don't know. And he doesn't have a lot of wide receivers, so his he may not even have a lot of thr- like his numbers throwing the ball may not be that prolific, but we may see NFL caliber throws out of him because I think he's going to be throwing receivers open who can't create okay. separation. He's going to be Throwing to leverage, meaning DB on the right shoulder. I'm throwing it on the left. He's gonna to have touch. We, we saw some of that last year. I think that'll continue. But I wonder if the, he'll have the, the prolific productivity without Colin Johnson and Little Jordan Humphrey and Devin Duvernay. Somebody's he'll gonna build that have team role. success.
1: Yeah, like it isn't like back in the day yeah. when Ricky could win a Heisman with eight wins or something like yeah. you. Nowadays have to be a great oh, so like it, it, he you could have win a great the Big twelve or play playing the Big Twelve. It, exactly, yeah. he could have a great year. And if Texas goes nine and three, he's probably not gonna get in there no fault of his own probably but if he say is well, maybe not as good as the previous scenario but texas is 12 and 1 you might be going to new york he's so, going to need numbers like 2018 sam mm-hmm.
4: and i don't know if you get 2018 sam numbers without that wide receiving core number one and i think a lot of the folks of the offense going to be on that that backfield
2: so let me ask you this: that's what the talent is can can this offense and by proxy this team can they both get to their ceiling if sam Ellinger's not in new york
1: Possibly, but probably yeah, but it'd be not.
4: be tougher. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. No. He'll it, help cause, carry us Because I, I don't, yeah, think, I don't right. think they
2: can. I think no. they go hand in hand. Yeah,
4: I agree with that. No, no, mm-hmm. he's got – yeah, I mean, that basically him going to New York is kind of what Matt says. It equals – It somehow it's going to equate to team success or it's going to be linked to team success. Yep. So that'll mean, yes, Texas is playing for a Big 12 title, which means they
1: probably won you know, 10 games. Nine or 10. And, and, and that 10, means he 10 probably game takes the to, spot yeah. of that OU quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Like it's basically it will come down to the OU quarterback. Quarterback, if they win and go that way, or if Texas defeats Oklahoma and maybe Ellinger gets that seat. Yeah. No, it could. Because it, Fields and Lawrence are going to be in it, I can almost it, Exactly. That. They are almost predetermined to be
4: in there. And like I said, Lincoln Riley, exactly. so The first quarterback that he's like hand picked, I'm scared of that. Two. Like, like, that's true. scary. Like we like everybody's like, oh, thank God he didn't in the got not for quarterback. I'm like, thank God this guy may actually be better because he's been grooming him. Mean, he really likes the little Spencer Rattler or whatever. Here the odds. So, so that r- freaks me out.
1: Right now, Fields three and a half to one. This is according to Sportsbook AG. Mm-hmm. Lawrence five to one. Yep. Spencer Rattler. You know he's in there. Twelve to one. But. Sam Ellinger and Jamie Newman from Georgia are both at 14 to 1. They're They're tight. So, like, you're talking about Spencer Ratley at 12 and then Texas and then Newman. So, it's going to be between the two. Yeah, no, it can easily happen. I just... And then Chubba hovered at 20-1. to one. How about
2: that? Oh, Chuba. So, let, Chuba, so Rod, Chuba. let me ask you this. Do you think... I mean, because the debate is going to be between Sam Ellinger and Brock Purdy. I think people would say Brock Purdy is the better NFL prospect. Yeah, they like Purdy. Uh, is He's Sam Purdy. El- is, is Sam Ellinger the best quarterback in the Big 12?
4: As a, as a college football player? Yeah, to take I, take I the NFL so out. Right now, it. yes. At right now, yes, I would say that. But like I said, if Spencer Rattler starts lighting it up next yeah. year, I wouldn't be shocked. Because remember you know, come, like I said, before LSU, we we're all sure that Sam's a better quarterback than Joe Burrow, and it's not even close, and LSU fans are saying that too, and literally, yep. I think four games into the season, everybody's like, I think Joe Burrow guy's better than Sam. So, it, it could, the conversation could change really, really quickly. Yeah. Yes. yes. I,
2: I think I think we're getting to the point where there are not going to be any down years for quarterback play in the Big 12. No. Because you look at this, you're like, oh, Jalen Hurts is moving on, and uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen to Baylor with Charlie Brewer. Like, where's big quarterback play going to be in the Big 12? Well, Sam Ellinger's coming back, and Brock Purdy, I think people will call him the best NFL prospect people of these Curry. Big 12 quarterbacks. Yeah. And Matt, you just mentioned Chuba Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Tyler Wallace is back. That's a hell of a lot of weaponry Spencer Sanders has. And, he and he's got another year with Mike Gundy in he that offense. He good when
4: he
1: came to Texas, man. And Spencer <laughs> Sanders yeah. is 40 to 1. He's on the list. Yeah. And
2: then you think about. Uh, Charlie
1: Brewer, 60 to
2: 1. You think about some of the young quarterbacks in this league to fly, like a Max Duggan and TCU, yeah. who flashed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think West Virginia is kind of one of those. Sneaky teams that could. I don't think, I don't know if they're going to win the Big 12, but I think they could beat somebody that impacts who does win it. You know, if Jarrett Dagey ends up being the guy for, for Neil Brown going forward and Alan Bowman's been really good at tech. Yes. He just hadn't been able to stay healthy.
1: He's
4: uh-huh. 100 to one. Yeah. No, I'm really I doing that. Big 12 has always been a quarterback conference. Say what you want. It's one of the great things about if I was recruiting DBs, I'd be like, dude, you want to play against the best quarterbacks in the country? You know, they got, every NFL scout's going to be watching these quarterbacks, right? Yep. And they're going to be watching you. The best passing game. The, yeah. so the best was, schemes. The best, yeah, to recruit DBs is pretty easy. It's like, you want to play against the best offenses that the NFL's watching, not only to steal the schemes, but mm-hmm. they're also watching because they want to watch the quarterbacks. and and the wide receivers, which are highly coveted, mm-hmm. they will see you. Whether they mm-hmm. want to see you or not, they going to see you. I, I would, now, you may hurt your draft stock. You may be out there getting toasted, but <laughs> yep. uh, you out there, you make a couple of plays. Hey, man, you can drive some nice right draft there. boards. Yeah, exactly. ask, ask Brandon Jones about it. Yeah. Like, oh, well, hell, Brandon Jones in the third round. It was like he's going to be, yeah, he's in the second tier of safeties. Now, it turns out they, they like the way Brandon Jones matched up against Big 12 offenses and Big 12 wide And
1: LSU. Wideouts.
2: And yeah. and I, and LSU. I, if I was
1: any other school in, in the Big 12, if I was Baylor. I'd be going around and just showing. It's like, hey, look at the skill position. Look at this NFL depth chart. Look at this depth chart. I'd be showing them the Chiefs. I'd be Amen. showing them. And he was like, hey man, these are all Big Twelve guys. You know, if you want to come and show, you can stop NFL guys. Come here. You're damn right.
2: So on the Sam question, Travis behind the camera is uh, uh, buying. Travis is up. thumbs up. Uh, Matt, you're buying. Sam, yeah, barely. Cars? I'm Rod, you're, right. you're a seller yeah, right I'm now. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell. I like the odds. I'm kind of fifty. Thoughts. I'm kind of like I'm like fifty three forty seven sell. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this is where it's like close. it depends on how close it is, because some years you get four or five, normally just four, but some years you get three when there's only three real candidates. And that's just where right yeah. now a Sam's the fourth best odds, you know, it's sorta of Fields Lawrence, but it could have been one of those three years where they just will take a, third, not and, a, third and and a and a third
4: and, and we not and there's uh, listen, there's always a chance somebody that's not even on that damn list that yeah. didn't even that's not even on like any Joe radar Burrow. like Joe Burrow. He and was we've seen 30. that before, like that not even on the list or, You know, Colin Murray kind of did that, like Colin Murray was. On those lists, and everybody was like, Oh, well, Kyler Murray's gonna, he's the man. Well, because all these
1: other quarterbacks in book Notre Dame, Mac Jones, Alabama, yeah. Bo Nix, Auburn, so it, it
4: could be somebody coming out of nowhere. Too. It's just, I think, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sell. I love Sam, I think he's gonna be great, but I'll sell on the high it, end
2: of the game. It, it comes down to two games where Sam has to have marquee games, and we talked about this last year when we talked about his Heisman odds. It comes down to LSU and Oklahoma. Yep, mm-hmm. if Sam goes to the Baton Rouge and they find a way to win that game, then. I think almost regardless of what his numbers look like, if they get that W, then he shoots up right in there with Fields and Lawrence. He's Amen. right in the thick of it. Yep. Um by the same token, if he loses if, if they lose that game, as we saw last year, Rod, regardless of what the numbers look like, you lose, then you're playing from behind and then you basically have one game to make it up That's in the middle. Nice of your point. Season.
4: It's like yep. You gotta win to get in. You know what I mean? To get in that conversation.
2: So in theory, in theory, Texas could be ten and two and Sam could have no shot.
1: No, but if you beat Oklahoma and the LSU, you be looking good.
2: No, it depends
1: you're on what that 10-2 is. Yeah. Those two losses are yeah, – LSU oh, and Oklahoma. <laughs> and it's like, nah. Yeah, that's you that's have no shot.
4: you got to have that Heisman moment, right? You gotta. Yeah. We all remember the Heisman moments of the Cam mm-hmm. Newton and the Kyler Murray. Third and, and 17. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
1: You remember those moments? Where I was going. They keep him throwing it. Like exactly. So,
4: I, I, he's got to have that moment. He had, he had those in 2018, actually, randomly enough, but he yeah. wasn't going to be up for the Heisman because he wasn't on any radar back then. He has a season like 2018, which is also a season where they – you know, they, they competed for the Big 12 title and they won, you know, double-digit games. So, getting back to the original yep. point that Matt made, got to win. Baby. And is, if,
1: if he's marginal, it'll end up coming down. He has one thing in his side for an invite. The Heisman Trust might let the senior guy get an invite if he's on the that's cusp true. of coming. So, that's the it's only thing working it's for Texas, him. And the
4: propaganda the all, machine. Exactly. If it's it close,
1: the propaganda machine will start working oh,
4: all yeah. the time. LHN L.A. Chan would like him to make it, the ESPN connection. He's a great story. So, yeah, I think if it's close... If it's close, you make you it pushed bump. over the top. Yeah,
2: yeah. Going back to 2018, if you win that game against Maryland, I think we can all agree a lot of things are on a different trajectory at that oh point. Oh, my God.
4: Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. That's a great point. Because remember the number that the F, uh, college, uh, the power five quarterbacks who had rushed for at least 15 touchdowns and thrown for at least 25 touchdowns, that short list of guys that all of them had won the Heisman except Sam Ellinger, Lamar Jackson, I think it was Cam Newton, it was like Marcus Mariota, Johnny mm-hmm. Manziel was on that mm-hmm. list. And yeah, I mean that 2018, that statistical year... Tim, Tebow, a, was one, Tim Tebow was the other one. Tim Tebow was the other a That is a high, that was a high Caliber year, like you said, it just it took I don't know, it was weird. It took a little while to to materialize, right? Yeah. Because that it started slow, it started behind when you lost that, to Maryland. That's how yeah. bad that Maryland <laughs> it took it
2: took you beating Oklahoma to get that Maryland taste out of your mouth. And even then I don't think it was still all the way it's gone. Great point. Well and you then you didn't Maryland.
1: win the Big Twelve Championship. So then that, <laughs> that's different. the tipping point. It's a different
2: yeah, you're
4: right, it's a different conversation altogether. Interesting.
2: Because at that point, let's just go revisit history. You beat Maryland and then you beat USC at home. And you get that TCU monkey off your back, and you beat Oklahoma. At you're that point, one, right. at that point, you're the starting quarterback of an undefeated Texas team. Hell yeah, you're right in the thick of that. I'm about to say yeah, you probably that just right.
1: beat Kyler Murray. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. When were they ranked after they beat
4: Oklahoma? Six. Six. Yeah. Damn. So they yeah, you you might be like in the top no. three. <laughs> yeah, That's a good point. Uh, All right. Okay, anyway, so that's fan fiction. Yeah. Um,
1: I want, <laughs> I, I what else do we have to remember right? these days? <laughs> remember? I want to get
2: to another one, but you know what? This buy or sell stuff, we'll just save this for next week because there's some really good stuff. Oh, that was fun. I we'll, like uh, that. We'll save yourself. that next week. Got some buy or sell, some over unders. We'll get into that next week. I just, you know, felt Tease like, me so another yeah, one. No, just
4: tease it. We won't talk about. It. Just get what, what it would have been. We won't discuss it.
2: Give me one. We talked about defensive turnarounds. What if I told you that in the first year of Manny Diaz, Vance Bedford? And Todd Orlando, Texas managed to finish with a top 30 scoring yeah, for total defense yeah. in each of those years. I remember those. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's
4: going to happen again, baby. It's happening again. Chris, I asked you can count on it.
2: And you're having a great year. Of those two categories, scoring defense and total defense, you were worst ranking in the first year for those new coordinators. That uh, was
4: 28?
2: It was 2017. Uh, okay. What was it? Todd Orlando's total defense, 41st in the 41st. country.
1: 41st,
4: yeah. But
2: you were ranked in the triple digits the year before. Yeah. And you're doing that in the Big
1: 12, which means insert us into, say, some Same guys, ACC guys, conference, that defense. Yeah
4: top 10. Oh yeah. It'll so, be good. Well, so uh, yeah. If the office is good, dude, they're going to be a good team. We know that defense is going to be good.
2: One last break on the show and we will wrap this thing up and put it in the oven. When we come back and close out another edition of longhorn blitz with horns, 24 seven
0: asthma symptoms can attack anywhere like on a city street. <coughs> now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved primatine mist. The only FDA approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table. Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed.
3: I've always wanted to learn another language, but every time I try, it never sticks. So I decided to give Babbel a try, and I really like the teaching method of the app. I started with the beginner lesson on Babbel, and it starts with simple words and phrases. And soon, you're putting those words into a conversation. Each lesson takes about 10 to 15 minutes, and they're all really different, which keeps things interesting. The app is really smart. It actually keeps track of the words I'm struggling with so I can practice them and get better. I chose Babbel because it was created by real language teachers. They built it around real life, how people actually communicate and what they care about. I can't wait to use my new language skills in the real world. Dos cervezas, por favor.
5: (laughs) With Babbel, get conversational in Spanish, French, German, and more. It just takes 10 to 15 minutes a day. Now try Babbel free. Just go to Babbel.com or download the Babbel app and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com.
3: A social distancing tip. I've always wanted to learn another language, but every time I try, it never sticks. So I decided to give Babbel a try, and I really like the teaching method of the app. I started with the beginner lesson on Babbel, and it starts with simple words and phrases. And soon, you're putting those words into a conversation. Each lesson takes about 10 to 15 minutes, and they're all really different, which keeps things interesting. The app is really smart. It actually keeps track of the words I'm struggling with so I can practice them and get better. I chose Babbel because it was created by real language teachers. They built it around real life, how people actually communicate and what they care about. I can't wait to use my new language skills in the real world. Dos cervezas, por favor.
5: (laughs) With Babbel, get conversational in Spanish, French, German, and more. It just takes 10 to 15 minutes a day. Now try Babbel free. Just go to babbel.com or download the Babbel app and start learning a new language today. That's babbel.com, B-A-B-B-E-L.com.
3: A social distancing tip
5: while the cdc urges you to avoid close contact like hugging or shaking hands there are other non-physical ways to say hello wave wink use sign language salute smile
3: it's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain straining and bloating again and again no way maybe it's occasional constipation maybe it's not
5: you could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or ibsc Linzess, or linacletide, is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Learn more at linzs.com or call one 800 linzess You may be able to talk to a doctor online. Visit Linzess.com. Sponsored by Allergan and Ironwood.
0: Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again
5: is Jeff Howe.
2: Big thanks to Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast. The thanks show. everybody the at show. the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9-1019-AM1260, streaming on the Horn app and the hornfm.com. You, you can get Rod B. on the triple option each and every afternoon from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Waite each and every day on Light the Tower. From 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get our archives, classic interviews, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz Soundcloud page. Yep,
1: just type in Longhorn Blitz. And
2: don't forget to get this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Horns 24 7 Podcast. You get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship all by searching Horns 24 7 Podcast, whether that's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, just search Horns 24 7 Podcasts. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24 7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again.